Greetings, fellow humans. Welcome to episode 128 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I am joined by Dave. What's up? Hello, hello, hello. You know, uh, it's been a while since we've talked, so... It has. Getting back into the groove again. Don't don't take this wrong, but it was kind of nice to have, like, almost two weeks off from, pod, like, all my shows. Like, I kept, I kept feeling like, I have to edit. I, no, I don't. I'm all <laughs> caught up. We're all done. I have, you know, got to enjoy being sick over the holidays along with my entire family in multiple states. Um, but, no, it is good to be back, but it was nice to have a little bit of a break there and, and just kind of... Yes, the break was good, very much. So you and yours had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year? We did, yes. Um, I think I was in bed for the New Year, though. It's all right, it's overrated anyways. (laughs) Especially like in the central time zone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're like, oh, it's 11 o'clock every night, you know, or I can't even imagine when it's like in California or in the West Coast. It's like nine o'clock and... Everyone's Happy yes. New Year. Yes. Yeah, it was uh we were in California this year uh for the election. And it was it was interesting to kind of like at four o'clock in the afternoon, like they're calling things already. Mm. It was just like what? Like I, <laughs> so yeah. uh and I and I think there's even a a sense of they're getting faster at, you know, their uh uh, the outcomes and that anyway. So, but it was, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to be at like at dinner and, and hear that things were winding down already while the, the polls had just closed out there in California. So. Well, I remember where we were for the presidential election. We were at your house and we were recording on election night. Uh huh. And I remember we were, we walked up, the stairs from the basement after we were done and we looked at the TV and both of us went, holy crap, he's going to win. <laughs> Which is not what we thought. No, I don't think very many people going have. into the recording. So yeah. what a difference two hours makes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, enough about politics. Absolutely. We are going to discuss Romans. Duh. But we're going to, we're going to skip a couple of verses and start in chapter seven, verse six and go through 13. We're kind of making, we're, we're chopping it up a little bit, which I'm okay with, you know? Yes. doesn't mean that verses one through five aren't important. We're just not going to talk about them. No. Do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we jump into the Bible? I'm, I'm good to go. All right. I will say it's a new year. It's a new you, whatever, you know, but if you enjoy the show, there's a lot of people that, you know, as part of like their new year's resolutions or I'm going to listen to more podcasts and, you know, listen to less trashy pop music or whatever the less version is. So if you like the show, maybe recommend it to some friends um, that might be looking for new shows to listen to. That'd be really cool if you do that. I'd appreciate it. All right. Uh, Do you want to read? Sure. I appreciate it very much. Okay, so we're going to do Romans 7, verses 6 through 13. And as usual, we're in the ESV. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, 
so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and though it killed and and she and through it killed me. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteousness good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. I, where to even start with this one, man? <laughs> so the very first part, maybe even to sum, sum up what um, we didn't read is the premise that, that the law no longer applies to us. Correct. So as, as Christians, we're in the way of the spirit and not the written code. And, and what Paul is bringing to us I feel like we're at a place where that's kind of our, our given. Um, and then, and then we're going to dig into, um, well then what exactly is the law? What shall we call the law? What was the purpose of the law? And that's where at verse seven, it says, what then shall we say that the law is sin and it's by no means. And one of the things that, I guess kind of stood out to me or, or I hadn't, haven't thought much about is just even the argument that you would bring up this idea that the law is sin. Paul likes these kind of arguments though. (laughs) This is true. I mean, should we, should we go on sinning because of grace? No. Yeah. So, right. He likes to like propose the question and then, you know, chop your argument out from underneath itself. Yeah. And you know, the other, the other thing, thought that I, I wonder too is, is, and, and I'm not trying to be profound here, reading other letters that Paul writes, there seems like this, um, he's being very direct towards, you know, the Philippians, the Galatians, the Ephesians and, and, and addressing an issue that has come up amongst them. Yeah. And I've just sort of had this thought in Romans of, I wonder how much of this stuff is like things that Paul has had to kind of work out himself and is now, you know, like you said, he, he likes these arguments and it's less directed at a specific behavior of the Romans and more of a, as believers, as Christians, these are possibly arguments that the enemy is going to present to us. Uh, and maybe even Paul himself has had. Right. And I don't, like I said, I may be reading too much into that and making it more complicated. No, no, I, don't, I don't think you are because these, those other churches in, you know, Philippians and Colossians and Ephesians, like those are churches he's been to. Those mm-hmm. are people he knows. Those are oh, people yeah. that he's in contact with. Whereas the letter to the Romans is this is like, he sends this to them 
Right. And then it's like, oh, by the way, I'm coming. Yeah. So he doesn't necessarily have a specific thing mm-hmm. for them because he doesn't know them. This is just his, hey, you guys need to read this so that when I get there, we're all on the same page mm-hmm. or the same papyrus or, you know, whatever. Um, that was a really stupid joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> But like it's it's him building a foundation for the discussions that are going to come. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, your observation is totally right, and I think that's why Romans is so long and it is so theologically rich. And it, because he's he's working through, as you said, I'm sure all the stuff that he had to work through himself when he came to the realization that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah, you know, being that Jew of Jews that Paul was. Right. Yeah. And that's, I, I don't, that's kind of been the flavor for me in, in, in reading Paul and particularly Romans of just this, well, he obviously is a, a man of God, somebody that we should uh, pattern our life after. I often have this idea of he just was always that way. And there would certainly have had to have been a transition for him between being a Jew of Jews and, you know, a follower of Christ. Uh, I'm yeah. sure, I'm, I'm sure some things came naturally being a scholar and as educated and knowing the laws he did. And that revelation of, um, you know, prophecy pointing towards Jesus. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to quit belaboring this point of just, well, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I kept thinking to myself, why, why is he making such a big deal out of the law? <laughs> Well, that's really easy for me to say, you know, right? Because it it doesn't never applied to me, right? But for these guys and ladies, it was everything. It's what defined who they were, and what separated them from the rest of the world, and all of that stuff. So, yeah, that was just a total. Hey, I'm a white guy from 2019 reading the Bible and not understanding why they're making a big deal out of something. Well, in context, it was a big deal because it was the law. It was their life. It was everything that their faith was built upon and how they were judged. Yeah. You know, rightly or wrongly by their their peers. Right. So, yeah, it is interesting to me that I brushed it off so easily. Mm -hmm. But if we, you know, if we we try and think of it that way, then it is crazy for him to go. What shall we say then that the law is sin? Because that would, I mean, if you told someone the law is sin and they're a Jew, (laughs) like fighting words, man, right? You know? Yeah. He then says, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, which I think this is a really cool concept. The law itself is not sin, but if it were not for the law, I would not have known my sin. Mm Mm-hmm. So it it's like a sin revealer, right? It's like, uh, in the, in the spy movies when, <laughs> you know, they, they like old school, you know, like Count of Monte Cristo style, they hold the, the blank page over the fire and the words appear sure. or it's like, you know, black light in like the eighties and nineties and it reveals the list of stolen cars and gone in 60 seconds. Yes. That's kind of a silly way to think about what Paul's saying here, but like, you wouldn't know that that secret information was there if you did not know the key to reveal it. Mm-hmm. It's like the the decryptor of, you know, the code of sin. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. He explains. It, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. You're fine. I was just going to continue reading. It says, for I would not have known he gets specific. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said you shall not covet. Mm-hmm. Like the, the law is giving vocabulary and concepts to things and letting us know that they run counter to God. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, for example, uh, like cultural bias, right? Mm-hmm. If, if we in America do the peace sign with our fingers, it doesn't matter which way we hold it. It just means peace. Mm-hmm. If you go to England, if you hold it with your palm facing forward or away from you, it means peace. If you hold it with your palm facing you, it means a whole nother thing that doesn't mean peace. <laughs> Just go ahead and lower your first finger and you'll get the idea. Yeah. So it would be like someone who doesn't know that acting in a way that they think is fine and normal only to have it revealed to them once, you know, in this case, the social law was revealed to them that, no, that really means this. And you've been doing it the whole time without realizing the consequences of your actions. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, you were just making a lot of people angry. But in this case, <laughs> in this case, the consequences of those actions is death. So slightly more serious. Yes. But, but Paul's saying, I didn't know, like he even says uh, later on for a part from the law, sin lies dead. Like I didn't know that I was sinning. I didn't know that it had power over me. I once was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Once I had the knowledge that I was a sinner, all of a sudden the consequences become real. Like it reminds me of my mom's mom, my grandmother. I never met her. She died three months before I was born. But according to uh, my mom, she died of cancer. She was fine. She started feeling, you know, kind of weird, went to the hospital got diagnosed with cancer and within six months was dead. Oh, wow. That's what Paul's saying here, right? She -hmm. was fine. She had no idea that there was this underlying issue. Mm -hmm. And then once the doctor revealed the issue, she died in the grand scheme of things pretty much instantly. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think what Paul is getting at here is if I can just beat this horse one more time is the law is not sin itself, but it is the thing that reveals the sin in us by in excruciating detail, telling us all the ways we can sin. Yeah. Like, I think the law is that thorough on purpose so that we can just go, holy cow. <laughs> There's just like an inf- infinite amount of ways to do this. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's. Again, I feel weird talking about the law because I don't really think about it very often. No, no. I mean, like outside of the Ten Commandments, you know, I I don't really think about the, you know, the temple or sacrificing animals or not working on the Sabbath or, you know, all the other stuff that you find, you know, in the early Old Testament. Yeah. And so it's really, I don't know, being post Jesus is, (laughs) you know, he changed things. He did. And well, and I like the thought that I had was even uh, pre law of Cain and Abel. And, you know, Cain killed Abel 
Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know my my brother's keeper. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And like truly, I've, you know, I've always kind of heard that response of, I don't know my, my brother's keeper kind of a thing. I, I don't know. And I may be reaching again, but I kind of had this moment of like, he, he, like, is he truly experiencing uh, having his sin revealed to him? Like, did he just not know that that was a sin? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before, you know, and like, and genuinely like God is like, where's your brother? And he's like, you know, like, is like, is that like a genuine response of, I don't know where my brother is, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, they've no one had experienced death before is maybe he just thought he was sleeping. Yeah. Oh gosh. But anyway, just that, that, that sense of just our inability to, um, recognize our sin. And as, as I think about the world that we live in right now, I feel like this is very much the argument is sort of this, this concept of, well, if you feel that way, then it's right. <laughs> as long as it doesn't offend the wrong people. Yeah. As long as it doesn't offend anybody, then yeah. But you know what I mean? There's just kind of this mentality of, well, that's, that's how I feel. So it, you, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, and yeah, I can. And I will. It, no, definitely. But, <laughs> but, but what is it that we have to point to, to say that it's lo- wrong? We have to point to the law. I mean, in essence, that's what we're pointing to. Well, yeah, we're we're appealing to a a higher moral law, and you know, it's if God doesn't exist, it's really convenient for that person to go, yeah, well, your moral law is wrong because your God doesn't exist. Exactly. But then when I say that to them, no, you're wrong because my God does exist and my moral law trumps yours. Oh, they get all offended, and I can't do that. Yeah. So it's a, it's such a it's such a one sided argument that conveniently they think works you know, in their favor. But the second I try and use it, you know, I'm a, I'm a exclusive, you know, uh, right. hostile, <laughs> uh, close minded person. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Even if you just were to say, you know what? I believe my God is a real God. I accept that you you don't acknowledge him as God, but I have moral conviction and I'm going to live by my moral conviction. I'm not asking you to, but I'm going to live by my moral convictions. I'm going to serve the God that I serve. Even that doesn't seem to be allowed anymore. You know, it's, it's like, you can't even just say, you know, I believe this to be true and I'm going to live my life according to it without being, you know, in certain situations, like you said, it's, it's, (laughs) you're hateful. You're, you know, so, um, I won't belabor that point too terribly much, but it did just occur to me that the law definitely points to and what we have to come back to when we're dealing with these situations. Oh, yeah. I guess for me, it's just in those situations, I get really frustrated when the logic doesn't hold. Mm-hmm. And the second you turn the logic, then it just becomes an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, that's just not how reason works, guys. It's just yeah. not how reason works. You can't, you can't use it to your advantage and then throw it under the bus the second it's not. It's just, in, it's logically inconsistent and it's childish, you know? Now, mm-hmm. if, your argument's, if your argument's based on emotion the entire time, fine. Let's talk about emotion and feelings. But don't right. flip-flop back and forth between <laughs> the two when it's not to your advantage exactly. to, you know, stay the same. It's just frustrating. Yes. You know, and if someone, if someone believes 
that the Bible is hocus pocus and that Jesus is not who the Bible says he is and they're convicted about it. Fine. You're a, you're a person. You get to choose. I'm going to say this and it might, if you choose to not believe what the Bible says, I'm okay with that. Right. I would love for you to change your mind and I would love to have conversations with you about why you think it's garbage. Sure. Absolutely. But ultimately everyone has to choose mm-hmm. what they believe to be true. And if you choose to believe something that's not true from my perspective and you have legitimate reasons for your decision, I'm not going to punch you in the face with my Bible and, <laughs> you know, force you to convert. Right. I would, I would love to see you in heaven, but at the same time, you get to make your own choice and we have to live with the consequences of those choices. Yes. You know, and if you're right, it doesn't matter. But if I'm right, it really matters. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. Like I'm all for civil discussion. I'm I'm not going to debate people because that just leads to, it's just a competition at that point and it gets too angry and heated. Yes. I'd love to sit and have a coffee or a beer and talk that I will do with anybody. Absolutely. And it just seems like it's difficult to do that this anymore. Well, yeah. And it's like, even if we disagree, it's like we can no longer be friends. We are sworn enemies. (laughs) It seems like that. Yes. No wonder so many marriages fail. I disagree with stuff with my wife all the time. Mm -hmm. We have different tastes in music. We have different tastes in tea, like totally trivial stuff, but we still like each other. We're allowed to have differences of opinions on how, you know, like Santa Claus. She wants to do Santa. I want my kid to be the one in kindergarten that tells everyone that Santa's fake. (laughs) So we disagree on that. But guess what? We still get along. And I'm not better than anybody. I'm not saying that. It's just to your point. It just does it, especially like with religion and politics. You can no longer disagree with somebody on those topics and still be civil towards each other. Right. Like not even friends civil, which is like a basic human, you know, like respect, show them dignity and respect simply because they're a human. Mm-hmm. I'm getting all angry now, Dave, I'm not even <laughs> talking about the Bible anymore. All right. Uh, for sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So I think this is a really interesting concept, too, because it shows the power of sin, right? The deception, the ability to use something good for evil intentions, mm-hmm. which is, you know, when, when the serpent shows up in the garden, did God really say that? So he used God's good word, twisted it slightly to deceive Adam and Eve into making a really stupid decision, right? Yes. It's the, it's the, the self justification and slight twist that sin presents itself in, in, you know, so many ways that shows even can use something even like God's word to just and sneak in and get you. Yeah. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good, which is interesting because it means it's not tainted by sin. Like it's, it is. God's word stands so strong and so holy and separate and righteous that even though sin, even though it brings the knowledge of sin into your life and therefore the consequences of sin in your life, the law and and the word of God is not tainted by it, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. I've never thought about it that way before because like the only thing that's tainted by sin is 
creation. Nothing that is God could ever be tainted by it. And I guess that then, you know, is true of his word as well, which is added to the list of reasons why understanding and reading the Bible is important. You right. know, it is, oh. it is pure and untainted and unadulterated because it is the word and truth of God. Yes. I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, Dave. Sometimes <laughs> I just think, is this too good to be true? Sometimes I think that. Oh, I, I completely just had one of those moments in church the other week of like, how did God get to be God? And how lucky are we that are blessed? I don't know. You know, the proper Christian term there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like we could have, God could have just been this evil person and just created us and tortured us. And because he's God, he'd have, he'd be in the right to do that. And, and so I just, I, I'm with you. It's, it, it, it is just that like, and I guess I, again, I like having a God that we can't put in a box. <laughs> uh, well, that, that, that to yeah. me is God. But yes, I, I guess I'm in short, I'm just saying that uh, I hear what you're saying that it's just, it's really hard to put your mind around sometimes. And you do kind of, I can find myself in that place of just like, wow, this can actually be kind of hard to believe. Uh-huh. Cause like your first point there, how did God come to be God? Well, the answer is he just was right. And that's so unsatisfying. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole I am. <laughs> yeah. He just was, mm-hmm. he just is. Yep. Really? That's what we're going to go with. Like yeah. there's not a, but like if there's machinations that could make him, then again, by definition, he's not God. He's no. so it's just, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that is really unsettling. Yes. Because, (laughs) because if it is true, holy crap, how, why I start to think of like creation and I'm like, well, what came before God? Yeah. Well, no, he always, right. But like, where does he (laughs) exist? Well, technically nowhere and everywhere. Yeah. Because he created space and time. What? You know, because like I'm only able to perceive like, you know, containers, right? I live in a house. On a block, in a city, in a county, mm-hmm. in a state, in a country, on a continent, on a planet, in a solar system, in a galaxy. That's one of however many, you know, yes, in the universe that we know of. And then the container outside of that is God, and that's it. And it's just like, it, it really, that's when I start to think, well, maybe that's when I start to have any doubt. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily when I'm reading scripture, it's not necessarily the story of, of creation or the people that God created or even Jesus. Like I'm cool with that. My, when I have doubt, it's fundamentally can God be real? Cause it's such a, it's such a massive blow your mind type of thing. <laughs> when you start to think about what that actually means and how it, and and then and then you like you go down the the rabbit trail like you said of, well thank God he's good because he could have you know been evil in just all of the different ways he could have done things, you know yeah. all the mountains could have been orange and the same shape like or all all fish would be one like he couldn't have, he could have been uncreative everything could be beige right <laughs> I don't know I'm yeah I hope I'm making sense. But it's just, yeah, it's that fundamental concept of 
Yeah, but what was before God? Or how is he always here? But like he created here. And it's just, it's so hard for my brain to deal with that. Right. That that's where doubt can creep in from time to time of just like, yeah, but what if not? Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and I guess I'll find out one day. But yes, I choose to believe because I trust the Bible. I do. I think there's just a lot of evidence for it and don't need to get into that today because that's not the topic. But it almost makes more sense as, as hard as it is to grasp the Trinity and the eternalness of God and him uh, being man, you know, God incarnate and becoming man. And it's like. That's almost like so crazy that it's like, it's gotta be true. <laughs> and I'm I'm not trying to make that argument, but it, it, it kind of goes both ways for me. I think, I feel like there's so much evidence and yet there's also this, it defies logic piece to it, which is kind of the way you would h- hope or you would think God would do something. Yeah. And that's, sorry to cut you off real quick, but like, that's the other thing too, is like, I'm a big fan of logic and reason and like sound thinking. And I'm guilty of not having that all the time. I'm totally like I made the comment earlier about the flip flopping. You're like, I do that sometimes, too. Right. Like, I think it's just a human response sometimes to not be logically coherent all the time. So, like, I'm guilty of that, too. So that's a bit of a mea culpa. But at the same time, to your point, you would want God to be a bit illogical. Like the whole Jesus thing. That's not logical at all. Yeah. You guys screwed up. So I know I'll kill my son in order to save you. Right. So anyways, I got all distracted by the logic and emotion thing there. (laughs) So I cut you off for no reason. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I think my only piece is, is I guess I wish it didn't, I didn't depend so much on faith. (laughs) And I know that when we get to heaven, it, it, you know, that's, we'll see God and we'll experience him. I don't know. I kind of like the faith aspect of it. Oh, I, I I, like, I I do too. I don't get me wrong. Cause again, I, I think that's, inherent in who God is and what this journey is about and choosing him. And, but like, I guess if I had my way, there would be an element of just a little bit more <laughs> like something solid that we could really, well, like give me Noah's Ark, give me, you know, <laughs> give me the Ark of the covenant. Give me. Right. But do you, do you really think that no, that would no, be no, enough? No, no, no. And I think that's why. But, and, and I think throughout history that those things have been there. You know, yeah. people experienced the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, died and the Holy of Holies and melted and their faces off. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like a wicked guitar solo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but honestly, like, yeah, there's never going to be enough for everyone until it's Judgment Day where, you know, Scripture says everyone will kneel and everyone will confess that he is Lord. Right. Like, that's the only point where everyone, everyone is going to have enough evidence to go, oh, yes, or oh, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and honestly, I doubt that's the word they'll use, but, you know, this is a clean podcast. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, Satan and his, you know, his angels, that's a great example of even being in his presence isn't enough to... You know, even if you have the proof. Touche, sir. I guess I'll just say I'm glad I'm not alone in my doubts at times. <laughs> I just, I think it's healthy to talk about them. Sure. I really do. I don't think it's taboo. I don't think it no. makes makes you 
a bad Christian or someone who lacks faith. I think it means that you care enough to think about it and to wrestle with concepts that are massive. Absolutely. Yes. It's okay. And I think it should be talked about openly because that's the only way that, I mean, like you want like authentic community. You got to be able to talk about the crap (laughs) and it can't be taboo. Yep. If you want your, your family or your small group or your church to be authentic human on human community and relationship, it's going to be messy Mm -hmm. because people are messy. People screw up. People have doubts. People say things and do things that they're, they regret and shouldn't do. Right. But on the flip side of it, you get all the good stuff of community, love and caring and edification and Mm -hmm. all the good stuff that comes with that too. But you can't have only the good stuff and ignore the bad stuff because that's when crap blows up and people get really hurt. Yes. Man, I'm so preachy today. I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) All right. Uh, Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So again, Paul just kind of recapping his argument there. It's not the law that's the issue. It's the law that reveals the issue. The law Mm -hmm. is still holy. It is not the good thing that caused the bad thing. It's the bad thing using the good thing to do bad stuff. Yeah. And and I think there's just, Paul does a great job of, you know, even as you read it and it sounds complicated, there's there's just this tension between the two. And I Mm -hmm. think Romans is just full of that. You're wrestling with it and want kind of this easy answer. And I think Paul does a great job of explaining it to where it's, it's understandable, but it's still not easy. And it's still that like, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I still am a little bit, uh, I I'm constantly wrestling with this. I'm constantly trying to fully grasp, um, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be trying to grasp all of it for a long time. That's, <laughs> that is for sure. Well, shoot. We got to the end of that somehow, some way. <laughs> Lovely conversation as always, my friend. Yes. Thank you ladies and gentlemen for making it through another episode of the masterclass really um thank you so much for your time and your uh you know your willingness to join us on this crazy little ride we've been on now for four years dave it's official oh it is officially four years isn't it two two days ago was four years insane yeah so thank you so much for listening if you're new to the show check the show notes uh you'll have ways to get in contact with us for email and twitter there's a link to our subreddit And there's a link to our Patreon page if you are interested in supporting us with, uh, you know, a buck or three. And there'll be uh, links in the show notes to scriptures and other stuff that we mentioned in there as well. So if you're listening on your phone, just swipe around and you'll find the show notes somewhere. Otherwise, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 128 for all the goodies there. All right, sir. Well, thanks again. I appreciate all the hard work that you do to make this happen. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. I get to show up and do the easy stuff. I don't know. You got to deal with me. That's... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Some days it's probably easier than others. <laughs> and I appreciate, I appreciate you and your time and your commitment to, I mean, did you really think we'd be doing this for four years when we started? Uh, no. No, I did not. Good answer. 
Yeah, I don't know. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. But here we are. All right. That's enough witty banter for one episode. All righty. Farewell, sir. I'll talk to you later.